listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. And so today we're dealing with these five different things. They're mindsets. They're things that champions do that lead to their success. I'll call them habits, but it's really a way of living. It's not, it's not even necessarily like, well, I'm going to make this habit. It's, it's your mindset. It's how you live. It's your worldview, if you will. Hey, Mike. And um, you are a champion. That's right. Representing Champion Christian Center. And so we're going to deal with these. I'm going to give them to you. This is more on the practical side today, which we definitely need because you can be uh, as spiritual as you want, but if you never take the proper action, and I would argue according to the book of James, that those that are truly spiritual, those that are truly in faith will take actions and uh, faith without works is dead. But I want to show you these things so that you never uh, miss what God has for your life or what he wants you to accomplish in life. And so we're going to, we're going to go over these and it'll seem uh, definitely practical to you because this is something that uh, it'll affect your job. It'll affect your career. It'll affect your family. It'll affect the way you make money. It'll affect even your spiritual life, your calling in God. And so we need to cover these. These are very important. As I travel uh, the country, uh, and I've told you before how often I come across people that uh, it seems like they're waiting. I don't know what they're waiting for or waiting on, but it seems like they're waiting constantly. And uh, your purpose, your calling, being in the kingdom is not a waiting game. It's not a waiting game. In fact, uh, there was only one time they were told to wait in the New Testament, and that was for the day of Pentecost. Wait or tarry in Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high. After the day of Pentecost, it was go, 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 go. The, the great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It was go, go, go after they received power. So only one time were they uh, told to wait. And you know, many times people will use scriptures out of context uh, to try to develop that mindset of waiting. You know, we're waiting on the Lord, brother. Amen. We're waiting on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And we're acting like that that word means to wait on God like he's late or like he missed the bus or like, you know, we've been here for hours and we're just still waiting on him to get here. It's not what it means. In fact, in the Hebrew there in Isaiah 40 and verse 31, they that wait upon the Lord, it means they, those that are bound together with the Lord. It means those that are diligently serving the Lord, those that are faithful. Hey, Britt and Lenan. And so uh, we're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us because we've been given a purpose, given commands. So how do we have a, a victory tribe mindset? How do we have a champion mindset? Uh, very important to, to think about. So I want to give you five things today. Uh, in the time that we have, I want you to write it down and, uh, that's it, TJ. That's what, that's how I preach it. Waiting on God, like a server waits a table. And so I want to start with number one, and I want you guys to put these in the comments as well, but we're talking about the things champions do that, that lead to their success. Number one is they always take responsibility. That's number one. And that has to be the foundation. 
That has to be the foundation for all the rest of these because it's that important. Champions always take responsibility for all of their actions, for where they are in life. We don't ever, we don't ever blame other people for where we are. We don't ever blame the government. We don't ever blame our boss, our job, our culture. We do not do that. We don't ever blame others for where we are in life because champions understand that it is our decisions. And of course, I'm not saying this uh, in a a secular way uh, to take away from the fact that God is the one who strengthens us. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us. I'm not trying to make this a self-help message. I'm sure you know that about me, but anybody that might be new that's listening thinking, well, you know, he's focused on the human aspect, not the God aspect. That's not true. Uh, we're not taking away from uh, the empowerment of God, the, the equipping of the Holy Spirit. None of that is taken away. However, in the midst of God empowering you, in the midst of the Holy Spirit equipping you, one of the things I've come across in bodies of believers all across the country is that uh, though they're Holy Spirit filled, though they're Christians, though they know the Bible, they're still in these places of defeat. They're still in places of a, a victim mentality. And it's a mistake because uh, if God truly has empowered you, if he truly has equipped you by his Holy Spirit, then we should take responsibility for what we do with that power and what we do with that equipment. And and so it's very important. Number one, uh, the victory tribe champions, we always take responsibility. I never look at myself and say, well, if it wasn't for this person or this person, you know, I'd really be farther in life. No, because you're basically saying, you know, really what it does, it puts, um, more value on the reactions or even actions of others, uh, on your life than the value you have in the actions of your own life, which is insane. I was a youth pastor and, um, you've heard me tell the story before. Um, one of the mothers of one of my youth came storming into my office one afternoon at the church and wanted to, uh, read me the riot act. Basically her daughter had started acting wild, whatever, uh, at school doing stuff she wasn't raised to do. Uh, all these other things. Uh, And so she's upset and she wants to blame the church and she wants to blame the youth group and she wants to blame the youth pastor, which was me. And uh, so she comes storming into my office. I need to talk to you. I said, all right, let's talk. And she said, now here's what my daughter's doing this, this, and this. She said, I thought you were raising these young people up in the Holy Ghost. I thought you're raising these young people. And I I stopped her right there. I said, "Er, stop right there. Let's talk for a minute. I said, first of all, One thing you need to understand is how often do I have your daughter to influence her? If she's faithful to the youth group, faithful, I have her for about four hours a month in teaching, training. I have her for about four hours a month, an hour a week, one hour every week. Then I ask the mother this, how many hours are in a week? Tell me how many hours are in a week? She didn't know, but I already knew it was 168. There are 168 hours in a week, seven day period. I said, I have her for one of those hours, 
the school may have her, uh, you know, for eight hours a day throughout each day. But here's the thing for the other 16 hours, she's with you. (laughs) She's at your house. And so I asked this question. I said, if there's a problem with your daughter, where do you think it truly lies with the lack of what I'm doing with her for an hour or with what you're doing with her for the rest of the time in the week? And she, at the end, understood where I was coming from. She was crying. Really, she wanted help. She wanted prayer for her daughter. She wanted everything to come back on track, and I'm with her. I want to see her daughter succeed, and she ultimately did. But uh, you, you see, one of the things that we're tempted to do We're always tempted to do this. If something goes wrong, it's somebody else's fault. Somebody else's fault. That's the generation we're living in right now. This is the uh, entitlement generation. This is the victim generation. This is the culture that points fingers out rather than in. Very dangerous way to live. Because... Here's why I say it's a very dangerous way to live. If you truly believe that that principle uh, exists in that way, it means this. You can never succeed. Think about that. Because you'll never be able to align everybody to agree with you or to be for you. You'll never be able to align all of culture to get behind you. You'll never be able to align the government to approve you in all that you do, especially as a Christian. You'll never be able to make these things happen. All men won't speak well of you. There will be people that work against you. There are people with an antichrist spirit that will try to stand against you. And so if you take that uh, mindset of, well, I'm waiting for people to be for me. I'm waiting for people. If it wasn't for what they did against me, I'd be further ahead. If it wasn't for this... And you cannot live that way as a victory tribe champion. You can't do it because champions take responsibility for their actions and for where they are in life. If you don't like where you are in life, change it. Let me, let me, let me say this very interesting thought. Uh, I actually truly believe as a minister of the gospel that the devil gets blamed for far more than he actually does. (laughs) That might sound funny to you, but I believe it. The devil gets blamed for far more than he actually does. Yes, he's working against the church and the believer and men at large. However, remember, Jesus said, all power is given unto me. And then he told the disciples and the apostles, and of course it, it manifested in the early church. He said, Uh, I give unto you all authority over all the power of the devil. So there in Luke 10, 19, he's talking about that, that the devil didn't have power over the believer. The believer has power over the devil. So uh, you can't live like that and say, well, you know, the reason I'm dealing with this, the devil really made it happen. The devil brought me to this place. The devil attacked me and destroyed. No, you've got authority. If even the devil was involved, It's because that we allowed him to do whatever he did. Because if you have all authority, if you've got authority over all the power of the the devil, then the only way that he was able to influence you is if we allowed him to do it. So that's the key. You have to look at that. I'm in the place I'm in. See, here's here's, um, 
Here's a better way to look at life for the rest of your life. Do you know what the majority, and I, when I say the majority, I mean 95, I, I would have to say at least, 95% of everything going on in your life. I mean, there, I'm not saying that there aren't external circumstances in people's lives. I know that people have a free will that they can just do. Uh, you know, there are people that have experienced tragedies. There are people that have been abused. There are people that have been, uh, you know, uh, verbally destroyed. They were raised in bad homes. I get that. I understand all that. Uh, but you can't let, let that affect you for the rest of your whole life. You have to come out of it. You've got to be healed. You've got to be delivered. And so I want to say it this way, 95%, I believe, of what's responsible for where we are, put it in the comments, Seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. It's not what other people did to us. It's not what the devil's trying to do. It's not what the government's doing. It's not, it's not any of those things. It's not, I can't blame anybody except me. I honestly believe 95% of what happens in our lives is seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. I'm experiencing today the results of actions I've taken in my life, seeds I've sown. Every action is a seed. Sometimes we make the mistake of when we talk about seed time and harvest as uh, only a financial thing, sow a seed. We always think of money. It's not just money. Every action that you release from your life is a seed. We were taught that as little kids. You know, the Bible uh, tells us that whatsoever a man sows, Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Well, in that context of Galatians 6, it is speaking about finances. However, it doesn't matter if it's finances or anything else. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. What is that? It's the law of seed time and harvest at work. When we were kids, they told us, if you want to have friends, then you've got to be friendly, right? If you want to have friends, you've got to be friendly. What are we doing? We're sowing friendship and we're reaping a harvest of friendship. We're sowing kindness, reaping a harvest of kindness. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so I want you to understand something. Seed time and harvest, in my opinion, of course, it's a scriptural principle, is responsible for the majority do you know why? I mean, let's, let's use finances for a minute. Do you know why most Americans, and I do mean 90 some percent of them, uh, are in a place financially where they're in danger? It's because they've been tricked into living far beyond their means. They've been tricked. That's not an attack of the devil. That's not the government. That's not anything other than I have taken an action, I've sown seeds of actions that have put me in a place of financial danger. I heard the statistic recently uh, that if there was a financial emergency uh, in the average American's life, and I believe that's 80 to 90% of Americans, if there was a financial emergency of $500, $500, that 80 to 90% of Americans would not be able to pay for that emergency cash, they would have to put it on a credit card. $500. Now you think about that for a minute. 
$1,500. And, and they wouldn't be able to do it. Why? Because for a, if for a large part in America, people live far beyond their means, far beyond their means. They spend more than they make. They put everything on credit. They have to have it now. They have no self-control, all these different things. So what's, what's going on? I'm sowing seeds of uh, ignorance, sowing seeds of foolishness. And when I reap a harvest where I get into financial problems, then I come to church like, oh God, I need a miracle. Devil's attacking my finances. He's not attacking your finances. The devil's not attacking your finances. You've made decisions for the last five years that have put you in position to be in a dangerous financial spot. That's why the Bible says a fool spends all that he has. A Bible calls anyone who spends all they have or even worse, more than they have. There wasn't really a way back then to spend more than you had because there were no credit cards or credit institutions in that way. But notice, devil's not attacking your finances. It's that you've taken actions, seed time and harvest, that have put you in a place of danger financially, and now you're in a position that you are in because of seeds you've sown, actions you've taken. Doesn't mean God won't help you. I'm not saying God won't help you. But you have to recognize, others didn't do this to me. The devil didn't do this to me. The government didn't do this to me, right? And what's at the, what, what is at the root of all that? Pride. I want to look like everyone else. I want to have what everyone else has. Even if I can't afford it, I want, I want to. Do you know the average American takes their, you know, whatever it be, a tax return check, we're coming to tax season, tax return, stimulus check, whatever, it's spent instantly. They spend the whole thing. You know what surges? You know what surges when stimulus checks comes in? When tax return checks comes in? Sales at Foot Locker, sales at Sunglass Hut, you know, say, uh, restaurants, people going out to eat, all those things surge. You know why? Because what I'm teaching is that people have not taken responsibility for their own actions. And so they don't have a plan to put themselves in a good situation. And it's not the devil attacking. It's not the devil attacking. It's not the government. It's not others around you. It's a lack of ability. Victory tribe people, champions, they take responsibility for their own actions. See that? Think about it again. All champions take responsibility for their own actions. So you know what they say to themselves? Now let me, let me hit you up with this. You know what they say to themselves? They say, okay, I don't like where I am currently. And instead of saying, and I know that where I am currently is as a result of what my father and mother did to me. What, what people around me did to me, what this culture has done to me. Instead of that, you know what a champion does? A champion says, I don't like where I am. So what can I do to change it? And when will I change it? Right? When will I change it? How will I change it? In what time frame will it take to change it? And then when you decide that, when you sit down and decide that, how long is it going to take me to change this situation? What am I willing to do to change this situation? Maybe you're in credit card debt. Maybe you're in a place where uh, you don't like, you wanted to start your own business, but you don't know how. Okay. If you don't know how to start your own business, what will it take for you to learn how to start your own business? What will it take for you to get the resources together to make that happen? How long will it take? How long will it take? Do you have a timeline? 
don't like where I am, so what can I do to change it? And so that moves us to the second mindset of champions. It's not just that I take responsibility, that after I take responsibility, the second thing that I do is every champion employs laser focus. Laser focus. Every champion employs laser focus. After you decide to take responsibility for where you're at, you decide, you know what? Now I know that it's my actions that are keeping me here and that I need to get out of this place. Get out, I need to change this. I need to go to another level. So what am I going to do? I'm going to decide what needs to be done. And then with laser focus, I'm going to, I'm going to go after that. I'm going to go after it. And when I say laser focus, I'm talking that you cut things out of your life that are stealing from your ability to accomplish that purpose. Laser focus. One of the greatest books that you could ever read this year is a book by a man named Gary Keller. And it's entitled The One Thing. I like it because of the fact that it it's basically teaching you the concept that multitasking is a lie for the most part. Multitasking is a lie. And he te- the reason it's called the one thing is because uh, he's teaching the power of focusing on a, on a singular uh, point of, of origin. So if, if I have, like for example, um, if I'm in the midst of writing a book and I know it's important to get that book out, one of the things I'll do is move everything else off of my plate and say, I'm not doing anything else until this book is released. Laser focus on that singular purpose. I'm getting this book out the door. Put that on anything you want. Starting my business. Okay, I'm putting everything else aside. Laser focus on starting this business. I'm getting this business off the ground. Nothing else is going to distract me from it. I'm not doing anything else. It's the, the author is Gary Keller, K-E-L-L-E-R, Gary Keller, the one thing. And so laser focus says, I'm going to only hit this thing until it's done. You know, I was, uh, our church, I just saw on Instagram, our church, uh, just started a course, uh, with financial peace university, which is Dave Ramsey's financial course. And, uh, I've not taken FPU, but I have all of his books. One of the things that I find interesting that he does a little bit differently than other financial planners do is uh, that when he has got you in baby step number two, he has a series of baby steps that he takes you to financial freedom. But what he has you do in baby step number two is something he calls the debt snowball. And while other financial planners may say, okay, Let's get you out of debt. So first, let's look at all the debts you have and then determine which one has the highest interest rate. Most of them would say to you, determine the ones that are losing you the most money because the interest rate's so high and whichever ones have the highest interest rate, pay those off first. This is where Dave Ramsey differs from others where he says, instead of doing that, line your debts up from lowest balance to highest balance. And then he said, with 
what he calls gazelle intensity, as AJ wrote, but I'm calling laser focus. You look at that and say, I'm going to hit that thing until it's absolutely gone. So like if you had five and the first one's $700, the next one's $1,100, next one's $5,000, you look at that $700, see, because nothing more discouraging than working towards something for four months and feeling like nothing changed, right? You could sit there and pay on that $5,000 debt and that $1,100 debt and that $700 debt and you're paying all three of them down and you feel like nothing's getting out from over your head. You feel like nothing's changing and that's discouraging. And so one of the things that he, uh, that I'm teaching you today that he also employs is this thought process of momentum is that as you're moving forward in what you're called to do, momentum is important. The, the attitude with which you're focused, it, it's very important because think about this. Uh, if you were just paying minimum on everything else and just hammering that 700, what happens when it's quickly gone? You know what you do? You get that feeling like, man, these debts are disappearing. And then it's now that everything you were paying towards that and it, it's minimum payments gone, you shift to the $1,100 debt and then like focused intensity, you're hitting that, boom. And then it's gone. And you're, what's happening? You're feeling like, man, things are changing. You can actually see progress. You can see things happening. This is why it's important to keep these things in front of your eyes, but to be laser focused. Because, you know, think about this. You know, it's like if I go back to the book analogy where I was, if I'm writing a book, it's one thing to be like, okay, well, today I'm going to write, you know, um, 200 words plus do this and finish this podcast and build this website page and do And, you know, and I do all these different things. But at the end of the day, you know what you feel like? Nothing's really gotten done. I've done a bunch of stuff, but you don't see any clear completions. But here's what's great. If you're laser focused, I might sit down and say, you know what? I'm going to write a chapter today. But then when I'm done with the day, I may have worked from, you know, after the broadcast, go home and, you know, from 1230 or one o'clock until six or seven o'clock at night. And I sit there and say, okay, boom, this chapter is done and out the door. You know what that does? It gives you a sense of completion and it gives you that momentum to keep going and to keep because you're seeing things completed. That's what focus does for people that are champions. It lets all of their talent, all of their effort, all of everything they have hitting one target, hitting one target. And what happens? It gives you a sense of completion as things are quickly being done, quickly being done. Focus is where I feel like most people do lack. And it's not hard to be focused because focused, even with an attention span, that's a limited thing. You know, it's not unlimited. Your, your, fo- your ability to focus, your attention span, those are all uh, limited quantities based upon how tired you are, all those things. That's why uh, anybody that's trying to teach you how to be more productive will always tell you to do things that are important before lunch. Because after lunch, it's a downhill uh, uh, ride and, and you're getting t- more and more and more tired till the end of the day. That's why they don't tell you, don't answer emails before um, your lunch. Don't do all the easy stuff. Do the stuff that takes focus. Do the stuff that's hard before lunch comes. Because focus is a, comes in limited quantities. It's based upon how tired you are, all those things. And so you, the, the more tired you get, the more mistakes you begin to make. Don't make important decisions when you're tired. Don't do important work when you're tired. It's important. Rest is important. I'll give you an example. 
because this will help your focus. In Mark chapter six, uh, Jesus had already commanded his disciples to go out and to do the work they were called to do. And they came back and told him what they'd done. They started to report all the things they'd done for the Lord. Look at Mark 630. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, notice he didn't comment on their work. He didn't comment on, on their miracle signs, wonders, their preaching of the gospel. He didn't comment on any of that. Notice what he said. All right, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Jesus said, now that you've worked, now come rest because your rest is just as important as your work because your work will suffer if you're not rested. And so there's the point. Jesus focused on rest while they were bragging about their work. And so there it is. I've, I've told you my testimony about what the Lord spoke to me about the fact that he loves me more than what I can do for him. Meaning instead of killing myself, He'd rather have me around for 60 years ministering than 20 years as a flash in the pan because I didn't uh, rest myself and keep my body. And I was at that place about two years ago where I was hitting all these countries and preaching nonstop and never going home. And, you know, you get to the place where your body wears out. It's not wisdom. And so you need uh, rest for focus. But champions focus. They've gotten their focus on something. Part of what will help you focus is what the Bible says in the book of Habakkuk. Write the vision. Make it plain upon tablets that they may run who read it. Habakkuk 2. One of the issues that causes people to have an inability to focus is that they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they should be doing. They have no clear goal. And so you can't focus on anything that's not a clear target, right? You have to create clear targets. And so that's why I say, if you're going to be victorious, if you're going to accomplish what God's called you to do, there need to be clear targets. Put it in the comments. I need clear targets. Put that in the comment section. I need clear targets because you can't focus if you don't know what you're focused on. I like that somebody put in the comments a moment ago, uh, write a to-do list every day. It was Emmy. I make a to-do list every day. Important to least important. It's very good. To-do lists are good because you need clear targets. If you drift through life, if you drift through life, I, in fact, I don't personally, and I'm talking about me, I don't work well without a to-do list. That's why I ask people to give them to me. Because it's like Tiffany's laughing at me in the back because she knows she'll say, okay, we need these things. Need, we need to work on all this. I'll say, could you do me a favor? Could you just bullet point these out and put them in, in the, the ministry group chat thing so that I know and could just refer back. I don't do well. My mind with a creative mind, I'm just wandering. If I don't have clear direction, I'm wandering in the nether realms of this world. I need clear direction. And so I said, would you please bullet point these? Would you please put these in? And, and make it almost like a to-do list so that I can just reference down the list and complete, 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 complete. Uh, because we need that. If we don't have clear goals, we'll wander. We'll wander. We will never accomplish anything specific because we're, we're, we're too worried about the peripheral things. And so to focus, to be a champion, because champions focus, but in order to focus, we have to have clear targets. Must have 
That's why. Write the vision. Make it plain. Uh, I don't know the exact statistics. Somebody could Google it, if you will. I've read it, but I can't remember the percentage. But there is a, a statistic that says that you are this much percent more likely to accomplish your goals if you write them down. And I think it's 70-some percent. But somebody could find that. Um, start out researching templates for a project, end up ordering a kit for homemade leather belt making. It's, um, it's real life. It's a true story. It's a true story. Um, you could start out, you know, if this is you, you can raise a hand in the comments, but you can like start out like studying the Bible. It's like, okay, I'm going to read my Bible for the day and I'm reading it. And then all of a sudden I come across a doctrinal thing and I'm like, oh, there's a doctrinal thing about the charismatic gifts of the spirit. But there's a lot of churches against the gifts of the spirit because they've seen the excesses of the gifts of the spirit. And they've seen crazy people do crazy things with the gifts of the spirit, but they shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Then you think, hold on, what's up with that phrase? Throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's a weird phrase. Who came up with that? Why would anyone throw a baby out with bathwater? And then you start Googling the etymology or the root of the phrase, throw the baby out with the bathwater, which has its origins in the medieval era when there was feudalism and that the Lord of the home was the head of the home and he got to bathe first and the water and heated water was scarce. So he got to bathe first and then all of the subsequent members of the household bathed after him to the point where they got down to the children and the infants. The water was almost black and literally they couldn't see through the water and then they could have if they weren't careful. And literally you just went from reading your Bible for the day to going into an in-depth study of where (laughs) throw the baby out with the bath water came from. Focus. Focus. (laughs) And so that's what happens. If you don't, if you don't focus and have clear targets, clear targets and stay on your targets, you'll wander. You'll wander. Some people are more likely to wander than others, but understand you will wander at some level. If you don't have a clear direction, if you don't have a clear, uh, it's it's like, for example, if somebody says uh, a horrible goal to create for yourself is I'm going to lose weight. That's a horrible goal. Because what does that mean? How much weight are you going to lose? When are you going to lose it? How are you going to lose it? What are you, I mean, what are the strategies to lose it? It's horrible, horrible. It's a horrible goal. I'm going to lose weight. That's a, it it will not come to pass because if you lost half an ounce by your definition, you've accomplished that goal, but I'm sure half an ounce is not what you meant. And so as I've taught on this broadcast many times before, it's, you make it extremely specific. I'm going to lose 10 pounds by three weeks from now, by cutting this out of my diet and doing this exercise. And, and so you see what I mean? So making a general goal, there's no purpose to it. And that's why you can go back and, you know, watch anything I've done or any podcast I've done on smart goals or why it's important to have smart goals. That's an acronym. I'm sure, you know, if you've studied any business books at all, Uh, but it's important in the kingdom as well. You can't focus without it. You need clear targets and your goals need to be defined, defined, but watch this. If we don't have step number one, if we don't take responsibility, why would we set goals? Because if the reason we're in the problem we're in is because it's someone else's fault or it's the government's fault or it's my parents' fault, or it's, if that's the problem, then I can't set goals to change the government. I can't set goals to change the people all around me. I can't set goals. What they'll, they'll do what they do. 
But once you realize I'm taking responsibility for my own actions, if I don't like where I'm at financially, I'm going to change my spending and saving habits. If, if I don't like uh, where I'm at physically, I'm going to change my eating and exercise habits. If I don't like where I'm at in my relationships, I'm going to change uh, the way that I treat people and the, the time that I spend with them. And all I'm going to change all that. If I don't like the way that my mind is always going, if I don't like that it's going a million miles a minute and I'm always anxious and I'm always depressed, I'm going to change what I meditate on. I'm going to change what I focus on. I'm going to change what I allow into my eye gate, my ear gate. See what I mean? And so I'm going to make a decision. Well, I'm going to focus on those things. Until they're accomplished, focus, laser focus. Number three, the third thing that champions do that leads to their success is that they have emotional control. You see what I'm saying? One of the biggest, one of the absolute biggest mistakes that I see people making is failing to control their emotions. Many people don't do it and they act like it's impossible to control your, well, we just have emotions, brother. Yeah, you can control them. Champions operate with emotional control. They don't, they don't allow emotions to run them. They run their emotions. Think about it. They don't let emotions run them. They run their emotions. That's part of what the, uh, the fruit of the spirit's all about. What's peace that passes all understanding. It's when you have peace, when it's not a peaceful situation, right? That's not your emotions running you. That is, yes, I would call that a carnal Christian grace. I would call that a carnal Christian. Someone that's run by their feelings, run by their emotions, run by their carnal nature. But see, that's the power of the fruit of the spirit is that peace that passes all understanding. That's when you have peace that nobody can understand because you're in a situation that's not peaceful. How do you have peace in a non-peaceful situation? It's because you have Holy Spirit emotional control. I have love for people that don't deserve love. I'm walking in love towards people that should be slapped. You understand what I mean? You've been there. I've been there. We've all been there. (laughs) It's a love that you choose. So all of the fruit of the spirit are actions. All of the spiritual emotions are actions, right? My love is not reactive. It's proactive. Oh man, I'm going to say that again. All of the fruit of the spirit are not reactive. They're proactive. Put it in the comments section. The fruit of the spirit are not reactive. They're proactive. I could do a whole message on that. The fruit of the spirit are not reactive. They're proactive. Meaning, uh, I don't just love people because they treat me in such a way that makes me feel love towards them. Do you see that? I'm not just loving people. Otherwise, how would I obey Christ's command? Love your enemies. Well, they've not done anything to me that produces love in the natural realm out of my spirit towards my enemies. So how do I do it? It's because my love for them is not reactive. It's proactive. Joy. How do I have joy in a place where there are things going on around me that would try to attack my joy? 
It's because my joy is not a reaction to situations. It's proactive. I am joyful in the midst. Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trial of your faith worketh patience. Count it all joy. Same with peace, as I just explained. The situation's not peaceful, so it's not a reaction from me to have peace. I am proactively walking in peace by the Holy Ghost, even though it's not a peaceful situation. I'll tell you what else is never natural. Never natural. Self-control. That goes against your actual being, your physical being. Your physical being just wants to do whatever it wants. Doesn't want control. It wants the limits taken off, the restraints taken off, and it wants to just go do what it does. But that's why the Holy Spirit empowers you to be self-controlled. And so, emotional control. I'll tell you people that'll never, if you, if you can't control your emotions, if you can't control them, they will control you. And that's to your own detriment. They will control you. And so you'll only ever be able to be as productive as your emotions allow you to be. Man, that's heavy. I'm going to say it again. If you don't control your emotions, you will only ever be as productive as your emotions allow you to be. It's a very powerful thought because your emotional state can easily affect your productivity easily. That's why champions, you know, you, you, you get irritated sometimes at these people. It's like, why is it that all, that all these life coach guys and all these people that are supposed to be mentors and all this, why are they, you know, it's almost become like a, a stereotype. Why are they always all so up all the time? Hey, we're going to get into this. It's like, what, you know, it's like they're like they're on cocaine all the time. But why? What are they trying to drive into you? They're trying to drive in the point that people who are productive, those that are leaders, those that are getting things done, those that are champions, those that are winning, they are the people who keep their emotional attitude high. That's what they're trying to drive home, even though if it seems annoying and it seems like every one of these people that I always, it's like you look at these Tony Robbins style characters and it's like, why are they always like, operating at 700. It's because they're trying to drive home the point that you have to have emotional intelligence and you have to operate at a high level and force yourself to be up and not be pulled down by things that are going on around you. You determine that. Now they're not Christians, but as Christians, we have the ability for the Holy Spirit to empower us to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. We can be up. We can have joy. We can have peace. It's the reason I wrote uh, Praise, Laugh, Repeat, first book I ever dropped, Praise, Laugh, Repeat, uh, How to Walk in Overwhelming Joy. I was, I was dealing with what the Bible says, and this was a response to the generation I saw in front of me that was all depressed, all anxious, all on pills. And I know it's not God's plan, so what can we do? The Lord took me through scripture and showed me all the steps we can take, that we can take, we can take to walk in overwhelming joy. It produces joy. So we can be up when others are down. You can train yourself to live in that way where you're up when others are down. My being up, lift your hand in the comments if you've ever 
had to deal with an emotional roller coaster at work, in your family, whatever. Have you ever had to deal with an emotional roller coaster? Meaning that like, it was always eggshells. You always start on eggshells. Why do you start on eggshells? Well, you're not necessarily sure where that person's going to be on that day. I used to work with a guy when I worked for MasterCard in Tulsa who there was days he would come in so angry. He would just come in like like ready to fight, like ripping and ready to fight. There were other days he'd come in just like so silent, quiet, didn't wouldn't talk to anybody, just kind of almost like down. You know, you'd come in and it was like you had to like walk on eggshells around this guy because you weren't sure which guy you were going to get that day. Is this going to be the super angry guy? Is this going to be uh, the super depressed guy, the super silent guy? Is this going to be the normal talk to you at lunch guy? You don't know because they're totally run by their emotional state. And as a result, it, it, it affects, it affects your, uh, yeah, Lenny said you have to check the weather when they walk in. It's exactly right. It affects your, your state of productivity. You can't uh, truly be a champion and continue to progress and continue to go higher if you're controlled by your emotions. You must control your emotions. You must. You must do it. And there's nothing wrong with having emotions. It's just that you just don't let them rule you. There's nothing wrong with having them. It's just that you don't let them rule you. And so many people, and I'm sure many of you have dealt with it as well, they can't hardly get anything done. They can't hardly work with anybody. There's some people, you could never put them on a team. You could never, at work, at church, they could never be with small groups. You know, couldn't work on a volunteer basis with the greeters or the ushers or the musicians. They couldn't do it. You can't put them on a team because they can't deal with people. Why? Because they're so emotionally controlled it's, it's crazy. They're so emotionally controlled that they could never be with other people. They're ruled. They are limited severely in what they can accomplish because they're controlled by their emotions instead of controlling their emotions. That's key. Now, I want to deal with another one that's very, very important because it all comes down to this now. First of all, we take responsibility. That's number one. We have laser focus. That's number two. We have emotional control. It's number three. And number four, we take action with no delay. We take action. This is huge. This is absolutely huge. Absolutely huge. Take action. It's like at some point, you got to do something. One of the most annoying things is people that just talk and talk about what they're going to do, what they're going to do, what they're going to do. You know, I've been really thinking about doing this. I've been really thinking about doing this. I, I talk to people. I'll see them every time I see them. They'll, they'll remember they talk to me about it and be like, hey, you know what? I'm still, yeah, you know what? I'm still thinking about doing that. I'm planning I'm plan on doing that. I've talked to people, it's not just like I saw them last week, it's like I maybe see them once a year. Every time I get around them once a year, they'll be going back to that. Yeah, you know, I'm really, we're really thinking about doing that. We're really, uh, we're really thinking about, you know, we're really, and it's like they never actually do anything. They just like to plan to do it. 
They like to talk about doing it. They like to think about doing it, like to meditate on doing it. They like to get other people's opinions on whether they should do it. And, and it's crazy because champions, those that are winners, those that are accomplishing goals, those that are in the kingdom accomplishing their purpose, they take action. They take action. <laughs> Let me just say this, and you can put it in the comments. And I have a hard time with this one myself. Production is better than perfection. Production is better than perfection. It's hard for me to even get because I'm a perfectionist. And it's very hard to just release something that I don't feel is perfect. Bothers me. But I realize it can't sit in limbo for your whole life. Production is better than perfection. There's a lot of people that are watching me and listening to me. There's things that you've been planning to do. There are things that you've been uh, talking about doing. I know it's a hard, Liz, I feel you. It's a hard one. But production is better than perfection. Getting something out the door. You'll always get better. You'll always get better. I was talking yesterday about uh, some of the things we were doing with my writing. And I, th- I said, looking back, it's amazing to me, like how far uh, my writing has changed over a six, seven year period. I look back at things that I've written seven years ago, and I think about uh, to myself about the things that, uh, that I'm writing now, and it's like my, of course you're gonna get better. Of course you're going to improve. If you do something all the time, yes, you're gonna get better. But see, here's the thing. People are erroneously waiting for themselves to be the best before they even take this first step. It's like, you remember me telling you about this story about the dude I knew that wanted to produce music and he bought all the best equipment, bought the best Mac, the top of the line desktop Mac you could have, bought all the expensive uh, sound gear, expensive studio monitor speakers, uh, had multiple flat screen monitors, built out a nice studio in his house, all this stuff, bought all the plugins, bought all, spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. And never released anything. And every time I came back to him and said, hey, are you going to do something? Yeah, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just kind of uh, working it out. And then he would say stuff to me like, he's like, you know, there's this piece getting released next, uh, next month or the end of this year. And I feel like, man, if I added that piece to the studio, it would really make production a whole lot better. But he hasn't produced anything. But he would always say that if oh, I'm always waiting on another piece, always waiting on another plugin, always waiting on another. It's just like you're pushing it off, thinking that if I had that, if I had that, I think back. I said this the other day when I was talking about this. It's um, there was I mentioned that group Sublime that made their first album on like an eight track recorder in, in one of the band members living rooms. That's where they tracked all the instruments, uh, the vocals, all of that. And then a local college let them go in at night, like through the middle of the night and use the studio at the college to mix and master their album. And that Sublime album blew up and is became very, very popular. It wasn't produced in some super professional studio and all this shiny gear. They were in somebody's living room with like shag carpet with an eight track recorder plugged in. It's like they didn't have anything. They mixed it themselves in the middle of the night at some college. And it's production is better than perfection. 
I'll tell you one thing. My writing is far from perfect, but I keep talking to people like, yeah, you know, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. I'm just waiting. Uh, I'm waiting for my whole, is going to wait the whole life to get to the end of your life to write a book about your life. And it's like, my, mine's not perfect, but I've got seven books out the door and I'm going to have 10 out the door before I'm 40 years old. And I want to have a hundred out the door before the end of my life. But it's not because I'm waiting for each thing to be perfect. You want to hear something sad? I'll tell you something sad. I've had books released that went to print and later after I'd been, they've been mass produced and sold in different States. Was it brought to my attention? There were misspelled words that the proofreading wasn't perfect that I, and I missed it. I missed it on the proofreading and all this. Other, and I go back and like, shoot. And that as a perfectionist, does that irritate the crap out of you? Yes. I just released a book. It's got like three or four misspelled words in the book. Now I can re-release it. Obviously I can make the changes. I can do an updated version. Yes, but that's been out. People have bought it. It's around, but you know what? Think of that right there and weigh it against the fact of how many people who have been delivered or changed that have written testimonies. I read your book on joy. I was battling depression. I was suicidal and your, your book on joy. It touched me. I was crying as I was reading it. I had one teenager tell me it's the first full length book that I've ever sat down and read through the whole book. I've had testimonies come back. Well, I can sit there and stew on the fact that I released a book with four or five misspelled words, or I could focus on the fact that I did what the Lord told me. I produced it. Yes, there were mistakes as that went out. I produced it. It's changing lives. Production is better than perfection. I'm not saying we don't shout or or shoot for perfection. Yes, that's our goal. That's our goal. We do want to do that. We do want to do the best for the Lord. And, you know, we always want to, everything we do, we do as, as under the Lord, as if we're doing it directly for him. Well, if I would have known of those mistakes, I wouldn't have, I would have changed them, but I didn't, I missed them. So you understand, yes, we shoot for perfection, but production is better than perfection. Take action, do the thing, do the thing. It's, it's amazing to me how many people won't just step out and do, just do. I was watching this guy online. He's like a, I don't know. He's kind of a, uh, he's an entrepreneur slash marketer slash, uh, I don't know what you would call him. He's kind of like a, what would you call him, Tiff? He's kind of almost, he's not just a marketer, but he's like, he, he encourages other people to, a motivator. He's like a motivator, marketer, entrepreneur. And he was leaving a, a, one of his keynotes one time and he was in the car and somebody ran up to his car And because he's such a motivator, they had their cell phone out and they were like, Hey, can you quickly, before you leave, just give me like three words of motivation, just three words of motivation before you go. And he was like, three words. Okay. You will die. That was his motivation. You will die means life is going by in front of your face. And there's people that are just sitting there year after year thinking about what they're going to do. Year after year, imagining, talking to other people, sitting around with useless planning about what they're going to do. You will die. When we were younger, there was a song, and this song even predates me, but it came from a poem. And the, the, the powerful phrase I'll get to you is this, one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
You understand? And so the point is this, you realize that life is fleeting. There are limited opportunities. Jump on it, pounce on it, do what you're called to do. Take action. Don't, you know what I'd be more afraid of? I'd be more afraid of not doing anything than doing too much. Think of it that way. I'm more afraid of staying where I am. I'm more afraid because it truly, let me get, let me help you with something. Let me help you with something. Truly, there is no maintenance mode. There is no neutral. There is no treading water. You, you remember this. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. There is no neutral. There is no cruise control. There is no treading water. That's it. AJ puts Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You understand, time is fleeting, time's going by. There are things to be done. Production's better, better than perfection. And you think about the fact, one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. See, Ryan asked the question, what if the one thing holding you back is needing the finances for it? Then your goal is this. You shift your goal from doing that thing and you shift your goal to how do I raise the finances for it? I was in Chicago. I got kids walking up to me on the street because they want new shoes and new jerseys for their basketball team, walking out in the freezing cold at lines trying to get into Apple Store and everywhere else, holding a box of chocolate uh, candy bars. Would you like to buy a chocolate candy bar to sponsor my team? We need new jerseys and new shoes. Here's guys that are willing to go out. So the question is, are you willing? So I'll answer Ryan's question this way. You may, I'm sure you already work a job. But would you be willing to say, you know what, when I'm not working my job, I'll go sign up with Uber or Lyft and go out and drive and make all extra money that only goes into that account to do the thing that I want to do. See, it's all about what you're willing to do and what you're willing not to do. It's all about what you want bad enough, what you don't want. And so most people, they work nine to five and then they spend the rest of their day and they've got a lot of day left, a lot of day left doing nothing. What if, what if you spent... You say, well, I have a family and I have to spend time with my family. Okay. Okay. So what if you, uh, spent, you came home and spent time with your kids and wife and you had dinner with them and spent, spent time doing that. And then you left again at like 8 PM. If you put them to bed or whatever, eight or nine, and you went out for three hours, four hours and drove Uber from eight o'clock till midnight. Most people don't go to bed before midnight. I mean, most people don't. What if you went out and drove from eight to midnight, four hours a day, making money doing that? See, the focus goes from, I need, I need the money to do this, so I can't do it. Okay, shift your focus now. How do I raise the money to do this? It's what they do in video games. It's like you have this ultimate goal to unlock this door, but in order to unlock the door, you got to find the key. But in order to find the key, you got to go on a quest for this person. This person wants you to go and find their sister that's lost and... That's what they do to you. But you're, what are you doing? The ultimate goal is here, but you're shifting your focus to all these micro goals to make sure you can do the bigger thing. And the key is, where do you find yourself? Do you want it? Do you not want it? And then finally, I'll say this. And I, when I talk about champions, I'm talking about Christians. Obviously, you know that victory tribe, Christians. Zach makes the same point that I make. Any new skill I've ever learned has been researched and learned after 9 p.m. when the kids are in bed. I totally agree. You can learn anything on YouTube. You can start, you could do so, there are so many things you can do to, to earn money. It's insane. It's insane. And so I, I encourage you to just go after it. 
The Lord will show you what to do. But I mean, there's so many things in the natural you could do to raise the money you need, Ryan. Finally, number five, and this is for Christians. This is for those that I'm speaking to today. Every champion, all those that are victorious are led by the spirit. And here's where I don't see enough people focusing because we treat the Holy Spirit like he's some side thing. He's not, he's not. Be led by the spirit. If you're not led by the spirit, I would wonder how seriously you're taking your future because he knows the end from the beginning. He has a plan for you. He wants you to succeed. He is the one who leads you and guides you into all truth. The the number one goal, the number one trait that should be taught to every Christian young person is how to be led by the Spirit of God. How to be led by the Spirit of God. If we can teach children and teenagers and young people how to be led by the Spirit of God, it would save so much trouble, so much lost money, so much lost uh, hope, people that wouldn't be freaking out about what's going on, just led by the spirit only, just that. You'd save money, you'd save time, you'd save tears, all that just being led by the spirit. I can't tell you how important it is. Everything that we do, every believer should be led by the Holy Ghost, Romans 8, 14. For all that are led by the spirit of God, they are sons of God. That's the goal. Hear his voice. He has the plan. So obviously, All these are being based when I talk about focusing and getting a plan and putting it all down, taking action. They should be based on what the Holy Spirit wants for your life. Don't make big decisions without asking the Holy Spirit. Don't just get married. Don't just take a career. Don't just go to a college. Don't just, don't just choose those things. Pray fast. Ask the Lord, what should I do in this situation? And then go after it with everything you've got. When you get a green light from the Holy Ghost... Go after it with everything you got. People laugh at me. You've heard me tell the story. When I knew that Carolyn was supposed to you know, be my wife and I was supposed to marry her, I didn't take you know, 15 months to tell her you know, all those things. I told her the first night. I told her on the date. I'm not telling you to do that. So that's what I did. But because when you know, you know. And if you know what you're supposed to do with a career, if you know what you're supposed to do with college, if you know what you're supposed to do in relationships, then do it. Take action, but be led by the Spirit. And when you're led by the spirit, he leads you into all truth, which means he guides you into a place of success. Because when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. That's how it works. That's how it works. I would use these things daily. Five things that champions do. Let me quickly go over them if you just logged on. Number one, victorious people, champions, take responsibility for their own actions and recognize that seed time and harvest is the thing at work that brings us to where we are currently. Number two, we have laser focus. We have laser focus. We find the things we're supposed to do and we do them and we cut the time wasters out. They have emotional control, number three. Oh, there's Sarah, there's so much you can do as a, as a stay-at-home mom. So much. Even nursing. I know stay-at-home moms that have made so much money by starting their own online businesses. Etsy stores, stuff like that. I'm just telling you, there's so much you can do. Responsibility, focus, have emotional control. Control, Don't let your emotions control you, you control them. Take action. Set goals to move forward. I'm going to take, what actions am I going to take? I'm just going to do it. I'm doing those things. 
I'm not going to wait for somebody to approve it. I'm not going to wait for somebody to say that's a good idea. If you know it's for you, do it. Production is better than perfection. And finally, be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Holy Ghost. And that should be the basis. I mean, I probably should have put that second. But understand, you as Christians know, we don't choose our own goal or own road. We're led by the Holy Ghost. So I want to pray because here's the thing. Every one of us that are champions, all those that are in the victory tribe, we have to know, we have to understand God has a plan for us to increase steadily. What have we been confessing? We're going to run in 2021. We're going to run in 2021. That's the key. But how do we do it? We have to take these steps, these five that I'm giving you today, and we've got to go after it with everything we've got. We can't sit back and wait for somebody else to do it for us. And so I'm going to pray today that God will give you clear direction beginning today and then give you the boldness to go out and make it happen by the strength of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And before this year comes to an end, turn around and look back and be blown away by what God could accomplish through you in one year. In one year. Imagine it. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for your people today. I ask you that you would, number one, lead them clearly, give them direction today. If they don't know which direction they should be going, speak to them, Lord. I ask you, let their ears hear what the Spirit is saying. And Lord, speak to your people. Lead them, guide them by your Spirit in Jesus' wonderful name. And then give us the boldness to take action. All spirit of fear, timidity, anything that would hold us back from doing what you've called us to do. Lord, let it go out today. Set us free from it. You've not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. I pray in Jesus' name that you would give every one of us a fresh boldness to step out and to accomplish, to take action and do what we're led to do. As we do, Lord, we thank you that overwhelming blessing and increase is coming to every one of us in Jesus' wonderful name. If you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give today as you're giving. Let me make a couple of announcements. Sunday, I'm starting in Imlay City, Michigan. Uh, be there Sunday through Wednesday. And that is Sunday morning, two services. Sunday night has just been added. So those of you that are watching the schedule, we've just added a Sunday night there. So it's two Sunday morning services, an early Sunday evening. I believe it's at 5 p.m. And then through the week, I believe is 6.30. Check the schedule. Imlay City, Michigan. The week after that, be in Rockford, Illinois, and then, of course, West Virginia Camp Meeting. We want to see you guys live at these meetings. Uh, those of you that are sewing, you can do so at MiracleWord.com. You can use any of the digital platforms to give, including Venmo and Zelle, uh, or you can give in the comments on Facebook and Twitter with hashtag donate. Uh, also, the magazine's about to ship. You can grab your copy at MiracleWord.com forward slash live if you'd like to get it. And uh, it's a phenomenal edition. It will truly build your faith. Great words in this one. And two brand new announcements that you want to hear for sure. Very excited about these. Friday, tomorrow in the morning is our communion breakthrough and prayer service. Uh, get your prayer requests in uh, at miracleword.com forward slash prayer. Carolyn's joining me tomorrow. Uh, we're taking communion together. We're praying and we're believing God uh, for increase in your family and your life. And we're going to give you another announcement tomorrow, which we're very excited about. Another announcement coming tomorrow. Um, but thank you to all those that are giving. 
Uh, thanks for those that are sewing. If you're partnering with us, we're sending you Smith Wigglesworth's book, Ever Increasing Faith in the month of April. For those giving $85 or more, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, Ever Increasing Faith, go fill out the form, miracleword.com forward slash offer. We'll get it to you. ASAP. Those that are sewing $1,000 or more, we're going to also include with that the uh, Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible. Those of you that are uh, sewing $5,000 or more, we've put together the Elite Study Pack, which is going to be uh, three study Bibles that I consider to be the three best. I love them. Dakes, Life Application, and the Net with Translator's Notes, and two books on Bible study and interpretation that will help you immensely. Uh, and we're going to put it in a custom box for you guys. It's going to be beautiful. I think it's going to be the nicest thing we've ever given away uh, in the ministry. But that's for those that are sewing 5,000 or more. Thanks for standing with us. We love you so much. Thanks for hanging with me today. Um, very excited about the new discipleship course. If you haven't yet checked it out, go to miracleword.com forward slash next. We put out a free discipleship course called the What's Next Digital Discipleship program, 11 episodes on video and audio to help people take next steps in Jesus Christ, answer the basic questions about Christianity. We want you guys to check it out. It's awesome. It's at Miracle Word U too. You can check it out. It is an amazing resource. You can give it to your friends, family, loved ones. It's free. It won't cost you a dime. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. Have a blessed day. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.